It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Thanks so much for being here. We were looking at the uh, survey that was done, Associated Press, Americans Fault News Media for Dividing uh, the uh, uh, Nation. Uh, just uh, reading this here, everyone tells a different story. The media does nothing but stir up fear, uh, said uh, one man, a retired 71-year-old Republican who lives in Navarre, Florida. Mm. One of my favorite places on the planet, by the way. Yeah. For me and most people, I know and we feel we are totally in the uh, dark. And, you know, you and I were just we're talking in general about, you know, the, the media as a whole, the the, the mainstream media and gave the example for you know of yesterday that none of the networks carried the Hunter Biden paternity suit right which of course if it was any other president's Republican president's son it would be top news you ask yourself why why didn't they cover it what you know and and this is something that relates because of the financial records to the influence peddling of the president it's because yep. why didn't they most people would say because they favor that presidential candidate and they don't want any bad news. Well, that's not what the media is supposed to do. Most people say the media is supposed to report the stories that are out there, report them accurately, and then uh, you know, and you know, let us let us decide. We report, you decide. Right? If somebody would just come up with that <laughs> right. simple if, slogan, I, if somebody could do that. Uh, but and I don't necessarily think either that you know because they'll say, well, because there's so much opinion. I don't think people object. To opinion, I think they object to being gaslighted. You know, yeah. I I, yeah. I think they object to to uh, to that. And and I gave a few examples before. You know, I think that if anybody is searching for the truth, people sort of understand that. They yeah. understand if people yeah. and 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 I believe that if you believe in the autonomy of the individual and you believe in individual rights, most people say, "All right, that means that you respect other people." Because really, mm. when you respect other people's rights, you know, the rights that we have in the Constitution. Uh, you know, if you respect the the rights that they have, then it means most likely you respect the autonomy of an individual, and that's the basis of this country to begin with. And and most, I think, uh, freedom-loving people, you know, believe that. Yeah. And But when you have, for example, and, and I said this right at the end of the hour, last hour, but and I said it in a, just a couple of sentences, I'll expand on it a little bit, but you now have a Democratic Party and the media that supports it that does not believe in the Constitution of the United States. They believe in their own Constitution and what the Constitution should be, but they don't believe in the basic tenets of the Constitution. They don't believe in freedom of speech. They're afraid of freedom of speech. Yeah, right. Al Franken now is telling everybody that the Supreme Court is illegitimate. Yeah, I saw that. Too. Yeah, would that include their decision on gay marriage, Mr. Franken? Well, it's of course it's not. It's not illegitimate. I mean, it's again. You have to. You you. That's what the left does. I we need to destroy the institutions yeah. and call them things that they are not. You know, we saw this with the Georgia election law with the president that it was Jim Crow and steroids. Yeah. Jim Crow point two. Jim Crow two point zero. Of course, it wasn't. 
There is no any type of sane argument you could not look at the the uh, the election law in Georgia that every single major Democrat demonized, and the media did the same thing. Yeah, that Major League Baseball moved out the All Star Game out of there. Coca Cola got involved in it, right? Remember? Yep. And now Coca Cola is trying to back off the stockholders from anything to do with ESG, but they lie. And I think those are the things right there. When you don't believe in the Constitution and then you lie consistently to make your points. And we have talked about in the Democratic Party, every single major issue out there, they have to lie. Oh, we played that audio cut from uh, yesterday on um, with Mayorkas. Yeah. Where, you know, what's secure? And it was gobbledygook. And someone went, wow, everybody now is starting to pick up on Kamala Harris. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because it made no sense. Right. You know, it's secure is basically, well, secure, uh, could you define secure? Secure is when, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, uh, secure is when uh, we use maximum, uh, maximum uh, effort in an attempt to solve a problem. It's like, well, no, that's not secure. <laughs> yeah, no. You didn't answer the question. And I thought when he said it, well, we're using maximum effort to not uh, attempt to actually solve the problem that I was hired to do would be more accurate. Yes. You know, that would be his definition of secure, which is the opposite, which is uh, not secure. But everybody's lying. And it's tough to keep a democracy going when nobody want, wishes to tell the truth. And you have that. You have that with the media. You have that across the board. Look, and and I think there's a general instinct of people when they say, all right, I may not agree with you, but I know that you're trying to do good. You're not BSing me. I may disagree with you, but at least we're arguing the truth. You and I talked many times about when I first got into talk radio in 89, and we actually used to have discussions on what the right le- believes versus what the what the, you know, the left believes versus what the right believes, but we would settle on what the topic was. Yeah. There, there was no issue about the issues. Right. Now, <laughs> we can't even get to the point of debating anymore because it's like, well, no, a biological man can't be a biological woman because a biological man says so. And that does not justify a biological man competing against women in sports. What's the other argument? No, you're wrong. How am I wrong? We shouldn't be talking about this. And you talking about it is is violent talk. Because that's what you get from them. Mm-hmm. Well, so we can't talk about the issue. That's now become the throwback, or the the not the throwback, but that's now become the uh, the uh, the argument that the left uses for anything that they can't argue. You shouldn't yeah. be talking about it. That's hate speech. Let's talk about illegal immigration. No, because you're you're a uh, you're a xenophobe. Right. Why am I a xenophobe? Well, because um, let me throw out something. You're because you're against uh, Mexicans crossing the border. Well, it's not the majority of Mexicans that are crossing the border. I object to the fact of whether it's Chinese crossing. Ah, see the Chinese uh, China virus, same thing. Yeah, it's like you know they would they will jump on it, and you can't even have a an argument built on any type of you know. Connect the dots. Now, I look, for example, let's, you know, you look at a, um, 
a Chuck Todd. A Chuck Todd has no interest in actually having a discussion. No, he he's, wants to win an argument. He's trying to set you up. Bill Maher used to be the same way, but I think liberalism went so far that Bill Maher had to start saying, wait a minute, this is ridiculous. Now, Bill Maher says, says he hasn't changed. He has changed. No, he's definitely changed. Yeah. And um, I, I think his approach on his show has changed, too. And I'm wondering if it came from getting a better response when you allow people to come on and have a discussion. But you get that now it it seems like, because and we, we say this because Bill Maher, when we say Bill Maher is changing, he says he's never changed. Bill Maher never attacked identity politics like he does now. He was not attacking identity politics that it was wrong back in the 90s right. when when you had black conservatives who were being called Uncle Tom. That's right. when identity politics started. Right. Understand that identity politics started against blacks. Mm-hmm. That's where it started. The modern identity politics was criticizing blacks and saying blacks were not genuine unless they held this particular position. I saw that. Who said that now? Someone said it about, um, oh, the only tax, the, the only reason they're attacking Clarence Thomas now, the left, is because identity politics, they're racist and he's black. Right. Oh, go for it. I mean, I was yeah. I was happy to see that because it's it's really true. The identity politics and the racism that the left has started with conservative blacks that everybody must think uh, you know must think alike. You know, that's the kind of thing that you're dealing with now, and that's why it's so hard. That's why you look at it and you go, "Well, you're destroying democracy because you truly don't want to have a discussion." And you know, you're lying. For example, you're lying when you say anti-racism is the belief that we should judge people by groups, right? And that the new modern racism is if I believe that you're autonomous and I don't care about your skin color, that I wish to be colorblind. Well, nobody's colorblind. You see it. But yes, but the seeing it doesn't matter to me. I don't judge the person by their skin color. Yes, you do, because you're a conservative and you're a white man. No, that's your bias and your prejudice. No, it isn't. Well, how do you ever get to... I really believe that the left, the the entire strategy of the left is not to have a discussion. Oh, no, it is. That's their entire strategy. Because when you break it down, you can't introduce the facts. When you do, everything they're saying sounds as absurd as it is. I think that the president held out on the debt ceiling so long, and I don't know what's going to come because now McCarthy is going to go to the White House. Mm Mm-hmm. But they held on it because they just don't feel there needs to be an argument. Look, this is the argument, and it's the only argument that there is. We raise the debt ceiling. No, we don't worry about. No, we don't. No other topics allowed in here. This is well. That's of course ridiculous. Of course it is. You don't. No bank raises a credit limit without looking at your ability to pay. Right. You just don't look. the The credit limit just doesn't get lifted because, well, well, well that's maybe, what we do. Maybe First Republic, but they're gone. So, <laughs> maybe Silicon Valley Bank. Well, that worked no, out well for both no, of those no, banks. No, J.P. Morgan got their $50 billion in financing, <laughs> so they, they were extended credit by yeah. the federal government. <laughs> yeah. The sucker taxpayer paying for it. But I really believe that they don't wish to have any dis- – it's like we're right on everything. We don't wish to have the discussion. Now – I believe, you know, I'm always willing to listen, and and I have evolved on some things, not many things, but I'm always willing to, I always want to know what the opposition thinks. 
Well, I'm I'll, never afraid yeah. of what the opposition thinks. I still believe that I'm right on most things, but I'm still willing to hear the debate because what I f- have found out that when you actually research how things really work yeah. and you right. realize the other side has not and their arguments are weak, you want to hear if they have a stronger argument the next time and you end up, I, I know for me, it's like, God, that's weaker than the last one. Well, I would say the biggest issue that I have evolved on um, is, for instance, I used to be completely against benefits for old people. But now, having had some years to think about that, (laughs) and I've been very thoughtful in my approach, I was clearly wrong. I couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> when I was in my teens, I said no benefits for old people. <laughs> I the, went to marches. From, from those old codgers. Now that I'm in my 60s, I've matured and realized there may be a point to having benefits for old people. Yeah, now the march I go to, I have a young person hold my sign that says more benefits for old people. <laughs> and then I just go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But when you look at the media overall, and, and and I think this is so important to to mention, the reason when you say, well, they you know they're hurting democracy is they don't believe in de- the democracy that we live in, which is the democracy is the our constitutional republic is under mm-hmm. the umbrella of a general democracy. Mm-hmm. We're a you know democratic republic, constitutional republic, but it's under the the big umbrella of democracy. So let no nitpickers there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know they don't believe in freedom of speech. I used to also be against right. nitpicking. They, they don't. They don't believe in freedom of speech. They don't believe uh, in the First Amendment. Uh, they don't believe in freedom of religion. They don't believe in the Second Amendment. They actually don't believe that you have an inherent right to self-protection to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. They they honestly don't. Uh, uh, you know, believe that we look at. You know, for example, the Senate. Now they don't believe in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Now they don't understand. Now they don't even understand. The, the 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 basis of the constitution of the uh you, you know you know united states which is you know to always beware of the tyranny of the majority that the individual right and that's also the state's rights which is why you know it exists they have no concept of how why they're against the constitution without any knowledge of why the constitution exists and i know because we've had these discussions with liberals and we know for example that the vast, the not the vast majority, but the majority of Americans can't name the three branches of government, which means they don't even understand the separation of powers. They have no idea why this country even exists, yet they're against it. And I bet you the majority of the the mainstream media that is against the First Amendment, against freedom of religion, could not articulate how our government actually runs. Right. I bet yeah. you they could. No, I think I think you're right on that. Be, I, well, they may think they do, but they wouldn't be able to have an argument to discuss or defend why we shouldn't have a Senate. They they can't demonstrate they, yeah. accurately. And so you see all these, you know, all these different things. And, you know, when it comes to, well, do you actually believe in our... And we've asked the question, what do you believe in America then? Mm. what What is it about? Just getting stuff? Right. Is is that what is we have we become to a significant portion of the the media just a place to transfer wealth? Is that what we're about? Taking mm. from some mm. 
and giving to another? I mean, is that what is that what you believe uh, is the Robin Hood communism right. or socialism? Which well, with Bernie Sanders, it's now gone up to. Mm-hmm. He made that clear this week. Wasn't that great? And on May Day, that came. Oh out. yeah, yeah. On May Day, that interview. No, came I out. I love that. No billionaires. No billionaires. The Every, government. Every, you don't need that much money. The government, government should get it. They don't earn it. They just take it. Thanks, so, yeah, Bernie. thought it was interesting, the stuff on the, uh, the the media. But there is a reason. It's a reason why people think that way. And it's a legit reason. Mm-hmm. 866-90-RED-EYE. Even with the rains last week over parts of the winter wheat belt. The story overall is not much change in the condition. Some states with a slight improvement in condition ratings, other states going the other way. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says nationally, averaging the wheat crop overall, you get a rating of... 28% good to excellent. That's a modest improvement from last week's 26%. 42% rated very poor to poor. That is actually up a point from last week's 41%. So we saw increases in good to excellent, but also increases in very poor to poor. Heading both ways, depending on where you are in the country. And yes, that comes out to a tiny overall improvement in condition. But that's not saying much. It was a very poor crop last year. And this year? A really dismal crop, especially in the central and southern Great Plains, even with the late April showers. Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there... Don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. 
It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So the Writers Guild is on strike, right? I didn't see. Yeah, they uh, at um, at midnight Pacific. Midnight Pacific time is when the contract ran out. Uh, both sides said they plan to continue negotiations, but they're also saying they are very far apart. So late night TV. Well, I guess they run reruns. Uh, WJ put out, WGA uh, put out a list, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, The Tonight Show. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon, Real Time with Bill Maher. Yeah. Seth Meyers, Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, last Week Tonight with John Oliver. That's still yeah. on. Mm-hmm. All those shows rely on writers to produce material right up to the last moment. Yeah. If it's a sitcom or a drama, they write ahead of time and then go into yeah. production. So anything that's already past that point which they uh, you know they they might be any any show that's past that point and that's already in production my question is what happens if you have to have a rewrite in a scene or something mm-hmm. um obviously i guess that would be disrupted now i don't see where the view has had hmm. to go on hiatus yeah i don't know <laughs> i would assume they would but don't know Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Don't know if the view is going to be affected by it or not. Couldn't find anywhere where they actually have writers. So I know they have guests, but do when they have guests, do they have producers or whatever that write the questions and do that? And would, well, they, they, would they, they be writer guild? Would would they be in the Writers Guild, if that was... I would think that they would be Writers Guild because yeah. they do have writers who will write, uh, like, an intro for whatever guest. I'm I'm guessing they're Writers Guild. I don't know how they wouldn't. Yeah, I just... Uh, I, when I went to daytime TV, all they mentioned was soap operas. Hmm. So you may not be able to get, in a couple of days, your regular hit of Victor on Young and the Restless pacing in front of his couch. Mm-hmm. See, I know that. I haven't watched it. I watched it one time 10 years ago, and the only other time I watched it when I was laid off for a few months in 1986. Mm. So about 10 years ago, which would have been about, I don't know, uh, 2013, I turned it on again, and it was Victor Mm -hmm. uh, as Scrooge. (laughs) It was a dream. He was was Scrooge. But it was the same concept. It hadn't changed at all. I went, wow. I hadn't even watched it 86, 96, 2006, 30, 33 years. I hadn't, or even more than that, um, uh, that would have been 37 years I hadn't watched mm-hmm. it. And it didn't, right. didn't really change at all. Uh, <laughs> the actor who plays Victor. Eric, announced, Bra- Eric Braden. Yeah. Announced that he had been battling cancer. I know. Recently. Yeah. yeah. He's still doing is, the show, though. Is the... So the show is still on. Yeah. Young and the Restless, yeah. So you're saying they still have television. <laughs> we haven't gone completely to streaming. <laughs> then, then, that's what you're trying to tell me. Yes, yes. Okay. That's, 
Well, you know, I forget because when you said that er- when you said that earlier about it's all streaming, I keep forgetting now that the vast majority of the TV stations that I watch that the menu is like a TV station isn't a TV station. It's streaming. Well, yeah, to uh, to that extent, um, like I get my I get my um, internet from my cable company, and my cable company throws in basic cable because I subscribe to yeah. the internet. I don't actually pay for the cable. I get it anyway. Right. No, no, but I mean like Tubi and all those. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are streaming services. No, those are, those are streaming. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. But, but I keep forgetting. I'm yeah. thinking they're normal TV stations. Yeah. Because well, now with my, you know, with my computer TV, every, every all the menus look like they would be a, you know, cable or satellite service to begin with. Well, and my point was going to be my cable is streaming. I don't actually have a cable going to the TV. It's an internet app through the cable company, right? And all of those channels are coming through that right. that app. Right. So everything has gone to both the technology and the content has gone streaming. Now here's a question: If you're getting if you're getting it streaming and not on cable, mm-hmm. or if you're getting it from, uh, for example, uh, your cable service is getting your ABC, NBC, and CBS affiliate. Mm-hmm. Is that viewed as TV network? Yeah, yeah. Or is that viewed as stream streaming when it comes to paying writers? Because that's the whole point. It's a different concept when it's streaming versus the network. Well, that's considered to be however they deliver that <clears throat> It's through that network. So that, net- okay, network, that network is, the, okay, is okay. the content provider. Okay. Because yeah. that's, that, that's the two things they're fighting is, you know, uh, number one, with all the streaming services there, the shortened, you know, the, the different type of, you know, it's not all, as you had said earlier, 22 episodes per year. Right. You now have most or eight episodes mm-hmm. per season. Mm-hmm. And which, if you think about it, is... That's wild. They often will now, they will do what they call uh, like a final season part one, part two. So they may do six and six. So technically it's 12 episodes, but really it's just two seasons shortened to six. But they don't do the 22 episodes per. You would think that with all the streaming services out there, there would actually be more opportunity for writers. Well, what they're saying is, is that the royalties run short. So your idea, the idea would be what they want is they want a uh, more stable working environment. Right. right? Okay. So that you take the 22 episodes back in the day, then it would go to DVD or syndication, depending on which age, you know, uh, which era you're talking about. But ultimately, especially in the Seinfeld years, all right, then it goes to uh, DVD, then to syndication. And your royalties were great, right? You get those residuals over and over again. When they make a deal with a Netflix, when they make a deal with an Amazon or whoever, uh, or streaming service, Hulu, or when the parent company now, the parent company has now created their own streaming service. So Paramount, you know, and... um and Universal and, and all that, you know, they, they put everything under one 
And so now their royalties are have dwindled down. And then the original content for the streaming services, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, is eight episodes. And then you don't get the residuals that you would get because it doesn't go anywhere. If it's a Hulu um, uh, original, then it's not going to have much life after that. Maybe they allow it to be sold on Prime. But one thing about Netflix is it stays on Netflix. It never goes anywhere else. You can't get it on Prime. You can't get it. Okay. Any right. original from right. Netflix is okay. staying on Netflix. Well, then this is my next question. And again, I haven't studied, you know, the relationship uh, uh, between the you know, the movie studios, the television networks, and the Writers Guild. But when we see what's happening to unions in general, mm-hmm. uh, are we going to see, especially with the advancement or the, the number of streaming companies that are out there compared to what we had the ability to the content that we had, you know, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it going to become much more of a gig economy? Well, that's when, that's how, what, how that's long, one of the complaints right. of, right. of, uh, of the, uh, the writers. They're saying, look, you've turned this into a gig economy where we have to be basically attached to several shows. And so if they have, if they get picked up as a writer for Two different shows. Let's say it's one is on Prime and one is on Netflix. But they're only eight episodes each for a season. But they're in production at the same time. Which means you're going to be, the writers are going to be doing their thing at the same time before you get to a even a table read and then all of a sudden, right. you know, you start building out the production of it all. All of that is... Um, is changing and and to me i i compare it to the music so a musician puts out something and it goes to streaming nobody's buying the tangible uh cd no one is buying something where you can say okay this many units is sold it's all measured by streaming if it's on spotify if it's on uh, amazon music or apple music they pay Basically, you would have to play that song, you know, a million times times. to make a dime. And so their royalties have gone, you know, in the tank. They have to work out those royalties ahead of time. Uh, Someone like a Taylor Swift can do that, whereas the the other artists can't. So these writers are looking basically at at an ever-changing world based on how we... the right. consumers and, and take in those those shows, and, and that's my question: Is this the end of? Is this the beginning of the end of the of of the writers' guild because the industry is completely changing, and might not necessarily be, you know, stationed in Hollywood anymore as it moves across the nation and worldwide? I know they're building in the town near me, Mansfield, Texas. They're building mm-hmm. huge music or huge, uh, basically studios there. Yeah, they're doing that in Austin. They're doing that in, in exactly. a lot of other so, non-union states. Right. So does that does that change where it's going to be? And because you know you can work at home, uh, you still have to have the table reads to do these shows. So I mean, you can't, no, these you can't you can't get away with you know when when you when you look for example and and uh, you know see how Seinfeld created his show with Larry David and how they sat and they you know they sat and they. They worked on this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they did mm-hmm. it day in and day out. And, mm-hmm. you know, as Seinfeld, I saw an interview, he said, it was tough. We loved it. 
Mm-hmm. He goes, but it was tough when you had to realize, and Larry David said it when when they were like when they did like the the first pilot. It's like, well, I'm done. It's like, yeah. no, 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 no. You got more than the first year. How are we going to come up with all this stuff that you're really under the gun, under pressure to do it? And but you just wonder. And I don't know. I don't have the answer to the question. I I just know how everything has gone in most industries that I wonder whether it's going to become much more of a gig economy and there's just no choice in the matter. Well, the CEO of Paramount went to Taylor Sheridan and Taylor Sheridan had this idea for 1883, the prequel to one of the prequels to Yellowstone. And the CEO said, that's great. We need it, but we need it for our streaming for Paramount Plus, not the Paramount cable channel. Mm -hmm. And he goes, okay, we can do that. He goes, no, but I need you to write it. It needs to be produced and ready to go. And it was like 10 months turnaround. And he says, that's impossible. He says, get it done because we have to have it. And he did. And Taylor Sheridan is the only writer of anything he ever does. Nobody else touches the script. And you don't vary from it if you're an actor, no matter how big you are. You're not going to change the script. His words are his words. Well, you... (laughs) I don't know what kind of merit. I think he cloned himself several times over because I don't know how he got that done. You extrapolate that out and you ask the question about is it the end of of um, of the union? It, it it could be, but what it requires is, and the problem is, is the shows that use multiple writers, they count on those big names of the, the writers that are known to come in and punch up scripts if it's not working. If something isn't flying, right? Um, Russell Crowe talked about American Gangster recently in an interview. It was sitting there, and they had spent thirty-five million on this movie, and it was going nowhere. And Denzel said, "Look, I'm in. I'm not going to abandon the project." And he said, "All right, great. Then how do we do it? What are we going to do?" They originally called it True Blue, which was the name of the drug that was being sold in that movie on the streets. It's a it, it's a story that was a good story, and finally they they just kind of got everybody together and they pushed that thing through, and it was a hit for them. But you when when things are on the brink, they often have to count on these writers. Well, you're going to then ask those writers to leave the writers guild. You know, if you're doing a project outside of that setting, and that's going to be the the problematic breakup. Well, so I don't, I don't think yeah. it'll be anytime soon, but. But, I don't know how long it's it can last. But I don't know how you what the writers want when they said, you know, we want a guaranteed amount of time whether you need us or not that yeah. we get paid for. I don't know how that holds water in this day and age. Right. That even if we're not working, we still get paid. Well, that's it. Yeah. Well, it's yeah because they're asking we want a minimum number of writers. This is one of the asks. Right. That's a sticking point right now. We want a, a, the guild. We want a minimum number of writers on a project at, for a certain period of time, regardless of whether or not they're being used. You can't. You can't ask for that. You can't ask for people to just to occupy seats, because Hollywood is facing a real profitability issue. We talked about James Corden and the whole. Late, late, late show that that just went away after decades of being on the air because they were bleeding cash, twenty million a year in the hole. 
You can't afford to do that. 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Sad, sad uh, news yesterday. Gordon Lightfoot uh, dying. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a, uh, I watched his, I think, I don't know if it was HBO, uh, somebody did his documentary last year. It was great. Mm-hmm. It's a great documentary about, you know, just the number of people he actually influenced in his mm-hmm. life in, uh, in, in general. But for me, I mean, if you, if you could read my mind, I mean, that was 1970. I was 15 years old. And that mm-hmm. was a huge, I mean, it was just that still today, you know, if I'd hear that song, it, you just flash, flash back to that time. Yeah. Probably the perfect songwriter song. He was, uh, he and Jim Croce to yeah. me yeah. about being able to capture something and do it in a way that only they could. I mean, yep. you know, you, you look at the lyrics and the delivery of it. It's not, it's, it's the, those, it's almost, those are two separate things, the lyrics and then the performance. Mm-hmm. And some writers can do one or the other, and some can do both that are okay, but both of those guys were genius at what they did. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, "What is it real? (laughs) (laughs) In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 